Hello, my name is Mallory Jenna Robinson. Join me on A Hateful Homicide, a true crime podcast dedicated to telling the stories regarding the murders of transgender, gender non-binary, and gender diverse community members in the United States and abroad. This is A Hateful Homicide. 911, what's your emergency? Yeah. transgender woman has been shot and killed in North Baltimore, Alpha. In the U.S., trans women of color have a life expectancy of just 35 years. This happens on a daily. Another one of my friends got killed right up the street from here. These cases are true. The victims are real and their voices matter. This is A Hateful Homicide. The murder of F.C. Martinez. Saturday, June 16th, 2001. Cortez, Colorado. Warning, the following episode you are about to listen to will contain audio evidence of misgendering. Listening discretion is advised. We begin in the American Indian Community House in New York. For more than 30 years, this organization has provided support services for Native Americans and worked to foster understanding between Native and non-Native communities. Our first segment is about a Native American youth and a crime that has become all too familiar. Some of the victims have names you might recognize, like Matthew Shepard and Brandon Tina, the real-life subject of the film Boys Don't Cry. But others, like Fred Martinez, a transgender Navajo youth, haven't made the national headlines or movie marquees. Yet for the gay community of Cortez, Colorado, Martinez's murder had a major impact, highlighting issues of sexual orientation as well as those of class and race. Well, to me, he was happy all the time. And he's always outspoken. He just loved life. He just, you know, he had fun doing whatever he did. You know, he, he was a really social person. There was nothing for him to hide. He wasn't hiding anything. He was just saying that I was being myself. He enjoyed being the way he was. And enjoyed having a lot of friends. On June 16, 2001, Fred C. Martinez, F.C. to his family and friends, a 16-year-old Nadley, or transgendered Navajo youth, went to a carnival at the Ute Mountain Roundup Rodeo in his hometown of Cortez, Colorado. He came in and he goes, Hi, Mom. Oh, Mom. He went in the back room, got something, and came back out, and he says, I'll be back later. I love you, Mom. I told him to care for him, take care. So he left here. That's the last time I seen him. It's Saturday, June 16th, 2001, in the city of Cortez, Colorado, six hours from Denver. It's the home of 16-year-old, two-spirited Natalie, F.C. Martinez. F.C., also known as Sonny, to F.C.'s mom, Paulina Mitchell, had went to the 
uh, Mute Mountain Roundup Rodeo. It was just beginning and FC, who had just turned 16 the month before, wanted to begin to be more independent and decided to go out to this amazing summer festival. Um, Summer had just began. And so FC, who was a freshman um, at Cortez, Montezuma Cortez High School, was very excited to be going to the summer festival. And she did. She went to the festival, leaving her mother's home in Cortez, Elmwood Trailer Park, around 3 p.m. that day. She goes to this amazing summer festival filled with activities and food. She goes, has fun, runs into friends, and even leaves safely. She goes home, speaks to her mother for a little bit, expressing how she was so happy to have went out and had this independent adventure of attending the summer festival. But then she needs to leave one more time to say thank you to an individual who had given her a ride home, cisgendered 18-year-old male, Sean Murphy. Well, Paulina Mitchell, FC's mother was worried, but, you know, trusted FC's judgment and agreed for FC to go off, to go and hang out with Sean one more time. And unfortunately, that would be the last time that FC is seen and heard from again. Paulina goes to bed that night. It's around 10 p.m. She's tired. She has work the next day. But as she gets up, and prepares to go and do some services on Sunday. She realizes that FC hasn't made it home. She reaches out to FC's family, extended family, and wanted to see if anyone had heard from this amazing 16-year-old kid who had never given her any troubles before. Well, everyone said that they had not since the night before, and Paulina immediately knew something was wrong. This was not like her child. She goes to, you know, the Cortez Police Department and reports FC missing. At the time, they stated that FC would have to be be missing for more than at least three days or 72 hours before Paulina could report FC missing. So Paulina anxiously decides to do that, but at the same time reaches out to her family, including FC's brother Jervis Mitchell and um, just other relatives to really start as a collective looking for FC. Also, Paulina wanted to reach out to Sean Murphy. And also when she was at the police department that day um, to report FC missing on June 17th, she didn't mention that FC was last seen going off to hang out with 18-year-old cisgender male Sean Murphy. So the detectives had a place to start when they were going to begin their missing persons uh, investigation. Um, And so Paulina between June 17th and June 22nd is, you know, responding, reaching out to the police department um, in efforts to see where her child is, if they're doing any research. She's going out here along with her family. They're researching. And then just five days later, after FC is last seen alive on June 21st, 2001. A body is discovered in a canyon. It's a sewer pond, and it's where the local teens call it the pits. There's an odor, a highly body, a body smelling of rot and decomposing matter that has been bludgeoned beyond recognition. 
That is the body of F.C. Martinez. F.C., the only individual reported missing at that time, and also Paulina, who had dental records of F.C.'s, was able to give that to the coroners. And it was confirmed to be that of 16-year-old Natalie, two-spirited trans teen, F.C. Martinez, who had just turned 16 a month before, who had just attended the summer festival in her hometown of Cortez, Colorado, at the Utah Mountain Roundup Rodeo. How did this beautiful 16-year-old teen go out and have an amazing time, go and have a great time, enjoy herself, and then just within three hours be brutally murdered? Paulina gets the death notification, the knock at the door. It's Detective Paul Shears of the Cortez Police Department, and he notifies Paulina that it is that of FC, who has been laying in that sewer pond over in a rocky canyon known as the pits. Paulina is beside herself, grief-stricken, confused. How is it that her beautiful 16-year-old child that is happy, so lucky that she affectionately referred to as Sunny has now been found at the bottom of this sewer pond? How could this be? Paulina wants to know. Have they reached out to the individual by the name of Sean Murphy? Detective Paul Shearer says that they do plan to investigate and interview Sean Murphy. That is exactly what they plan to do, but they definitely need a starting point and they go backwards to the UT Mountain Roundup Rodeo to see FC's, you know, last traces because again, we have to work on multiple theories here. What if FC was coming back from hanging out with Sean and then she encountered some, some, some men? And as we're going to go through this case, my audience, thank you all for joining this today for them with me. So excited. I got tongue twisted. <laughs> but as you all join me today, I want to, excuse me, I want us to take and think about this case, right? FC's case in 2001, 20 years later, um, since she was brutally murdered, since this hateful homicide occurred, these hateful blows that was placed upon her body by Sean Murphy. We're gonna delve a little bit more into this slowly but surely. Um, but again, it's important for us to really, really take a, a, an understanding into what happened on the night, that Saturday night of June 16, 2001. Again, it was the first day of summer, the summer festival here happening and you know how is it that this beautiful 16 year Natalie two-spirited teenager who went by FC is now murdered has now had this hateful homicide committed and so what we have to do is take a look into the autopsy report Paulina gets that autopsy report from the um, coroner and this is Margaret Johansson um, of the Cortez uh, Medical Bureau and you know as you know, Paulina gets these results and she's making funeral arrangements to lay FC to rest. She not only wants an open casket, but she also makes sure that she shares the autopsy results to the news media. And um, these results included slashes to the stomach, a fractured skull due to 17 hateful blows to the back and the front of the head, slits to the wrists. And of course, just exposure to the elements of land out there. Animal activity had been placed on FC's body due to just, again, the nature, the heat, the humidity, the dry heat, you name it. All of these elements had exposed this beautiful 16-year-old, jolly-go-lucky 16-year-old trans teen. But we have to take a moment and go back into 
Wednesday, July 3rd, 2001. Detective Paul Shears finally brings in Sean Murphy and Sean Murphy confesses to the hateful homicide of FC Martinez, states that, quote unquote, that he had no problem beating up a fag. Detective Shears wanted to know how did this hateful homicide transpire that we, that he knew based on, um, you know, the friend of Sean Murphy. And this friend is by the name of John Peterson. He states that, that they had taken FC home, right? That they had picked FC up from the carnival, this festival, and they had dropped FC off at home. But as they were heading back home themselves to an apartment that John Peterson um, had and that um, Sean Murphy was visiting, Sean Murphy began to, I guess, become upset about FC's gender identity and expression, sexual orientation, began to express how he did not like FC or and or approve of FC's gender identity and or two-spiritness. And um, the two had went to the same high school indirectly, but never had met each other until this night on June 16, 2001. And so my audience, you know, it's really, it's really heartbreaking because you have these paths that end up crossing each other. And when they do, right, initially it seems like there was a good deed that was done, or it appeared to be. You know, John and Sean take gives FC a ride back to the Elmwood trailer park. FC goes in, shares a little bit of her day with her mom, Paulina, who is very supportive, by the way. Paulina is one of the most supportive mothers I think I have, besides probably mine and others, of course, who is just truly just loves your children for who they are. And I just have to just give that, just take a moment and just give a kudos to Paulina Mitchell. You know, if, if you're listening in, and just kudos to you, mama, because you, maybe you stood by your child. And, you know, I know as you were learning back then, 20 years ago, again, the usage of pronouns and things, and I'm sure, and I've learned um, with speaking to some of FC's friends that, you know, that you have used she, her, they, them pronouns to refer to FC. So again, thank you for that. And that is the point, right? That we grow and we learn. And so FC's case definitely is teaching us that. But also this case talks a lot about what it means to be a person of color and what does it mean to be a person who identifies as two-spirit and, and, and also indigenous. And so, you know, it's important that we give these cases relevance because FC mattered and she was here and she was a freshman, you know, um, in high school and was getting ready to go into her sophomore year. And so it was really heartbreaking to see this beautiful 16-year-old, you know, who had a, you know, a close relationship with her mother and her brother and to know that that life was just taken, you know, by 10 p.m. on June 16, 2001, and then made to lay out there in the sewer for five days and with, you know, over 17 blows, these hateful blows that Sean gave to FC, all because FC was trans, two-spirit, Natalie. FC was a person of color that was also a place of, of, of conversation too because you're going to hear some audio in a little bit from some of FC's friends who talk about you know these Anglo they refer to them as Anglo men or these white men who were harassing FC for being too spirited and just for standing in her truth and so all of this comes into play because Sean Murphy is a white cisgendered male and so why was it that FC's race 
that her two-spiritness, her gender identity, her sexual orientation, why did that bother him? Why was it that he wasn't okay with just dropping FC off at the Elmwood Trailer Park? Why is it that he felt the need to go back? And then under the ruse of saying that, hey, I just want to hang out a little bit more and get to know you, lures FC out of her home, takes her out to this remote area in Colorado, beats her to death stabs her in her stomach, leaving her to bleed out as well. To be left, to be picked apart like she's nothing. And then he goes and brags about it. And then sits in front of Detective Shears. Now again, it's July 3rd, 2001. It's this Wednesday afternoon where he's brought in again. He's he's telling them how he, you know, reached out. He called FC on the phone and he tells FC that, hey, you know, like, I really want to know more about your time at the festival. And so FC, who again is described as very happy and bubbly, um, FC, again, born May 3rd, 1985, to Fred C. Martinez Sr. and Paulina Mitchell. They're a child together. Again, this beautiful 16-year-old native of Cortez, Colorado, would go to Denver, um, who was an avid fan of Destiny's Child and Beyonce in particular. Um, She was also, you know, very known for just loving to wear eyeliner and, you know, different colors and just really expressive. And we're going to talk about how her relationship with her mother was so strong that her mother really pointed out the disparities and discriminations that FC faced in high school as a freshman beginning uh, her gender journey back in 1999 um, at the age of 14. And so, of course, by 2001, FC was being uh, was fortunate to be able to um, live in her truth for two years with the support of her mother and her brother and other relatives. But, of course, the high school, Montezuma Cortez High School, was not the most supportive. And again, we're, we're going to hear a little bit more about that as we go through this case. But we also, I just want to point out that, you know, FC also loved to, she loved food. She was a foodie. She loved trying different foods and cooking as well. Um, And she also loved to sing and dance. And she was very immersed in her, you know, two-spirited culture and her um, indigenous culture as well and it was such a beautiful thing to just embrace and to see her represent that in school um, I did want to add that FC did have challenges in high school I and mean, there was times where she was sent home quite a bit just because of the fact that she would wear eyeliner or wear you know jellies or any type of like feminine expressive items and we have to also go back into the you know the concept of and context of 2001 as well as you know where people were in Colorado um, when Sean Murphy is charged and he is charged with second degree murder unfortunately he was not charged with a hate crime due to Colorado at that time not having a hate crime statue so all of that again ties into how much growth Colorado has done and we know that to be true because if you are new listeners then I encourage you to go back to season one and listen to season one episode three Uh, she was our little sister the murderer of Angie Zapata, whose 2009 hateful homicide in Greeley, Colorado, um, you know, was the first case ever to uh, where an individual was charged uh, with a hate crime. And that was in the state of Colorado. So again, FC's case is an attribution, a contribution to 
you know, Angie's case, because if FC's case, if Sean Murphy had not committed this hateful homicide, ugh, gave those hateful blows to FC, and right, that case had not warranted a hate crime statute because of the loss and because of Paulina's efforts and PFLAG's efforts to make sure that this case did not get swept under the rug as an indigenous person, as a person who identified as Natalie and two-spirit and trans and gender queer, they were not going to be swept under the rug this time. And so all of these efforts, by the time, unfortunately, when we get to Angie Zapata's case in 2009, so much work had been done, this this groundwork, this framework had been done that Angie Zapata's case would be the first of its kind where a perpetrator would be convicted for a hate crime. So again, I, that's why I have to give a kudos to Paulina, a mother like no other who fought for her child and for justice for all going forward, especially in the state of Colorado. But, you know, we have to also really delve into the the trauma that FC faced as a teen in, uh, in Cortez, Colorado. Again, Cortez is, you know, about six hours from Denver and FC would try to go and visit as often as possible to get a little bit of more diversity and inclusion um, where that was lacking in Cortez. It was on the border of a reservation. So there was a lot of racial tension between, as it's referred to as Anglo and of course our indigenous people still to this day as well. And so it's really important for us to understand that this case really delves into a white perpetrator, an indigenous victim. How did this clash lead to such a hateful homicide of over 17 blows and stabbings? That's what we're going to find out. But I want to also take you all in just a moment and listen to some audio regarding the, you know, just some of the incidents and situations that FC was facing in school and just also how the community responded to this um, hateful homicide. So again, my audience is going to give you all in just a moment to hear a little bit of that as well. Five days later, Fred's partially decomposed body was found off a dirt road in the Lower Canyon River, not far from where he lived. He had been bludgeoned to death with a rock. In the weeks following the grim discovery, 18-year-old Sean Murphy was arrested for the murder, based on tips that he had bragged about, quote, beating up a fag. According to reports, Murphy and a friend had given Fred a ride home on the night he disappeared. After dropping him off, the two had discussed Fred's sexual orientation. Murphy then left the apartment they were visiting and returned 20 minutes later, covered in blood. Someone's future is gone. Was just erased. Who had a violent brutal death? Probably because he was transgender. Badly. Um, changed the world for me. John Peters Campbell moved with his partner Alan Cook to Cortez four years ago, becoming an active member of the local community as well as a board member for the Four Corners Gay and Lesbian Alliance for Diversity, an educational, social, and advocacy organization. Learning about the circumstances surrounding Fred's murder brought home some ugly truths. I never thought of this as a dangerous town, and then I realized, of course, it was dangerous for some people. 
I was devastated because Fred was someone not that I knew personally, but that I'd seen around. And it made me feel good as an older gay man that there were kids who were coming out that early. And it never occurred to me that they were in danger. In fact, Fred's two-spirit, transgender identity, was not something high school officials and many other people at Cortez were prepared to handle. There was one time they told me that he was wearing uh, shoes that he's not supposed to be wearing. And then later on, these girls come in, she was wearing the same shirt. And I just sat there and I said, well, I always call him Sonny, you know. And I said, Sonny, look over there, a girl's wearing the same shoes as you are. And well, well, come, she's not being sexual. Fred was sent home on a fairly regular basis because he would be wearing eyeliner. I think once he was sent home, he was wearing jellies on his feet, those little girl shoes. And that is, that is not the proper way to respond to a child that's being harassed. One time, my um, little cousin, she, um, her and a friend in FC were walking, and um, she said that these um, angle boys, or these white boys came up, and they were saying stuff, yelling at him, like, you know, hey, faggot, what are you guys hanging around with this guy for, things like that. Kids like Fred have to contend not only with anti-gay bias, but also with the racism that exists in a border town like Cortez, located right next to the Ute Mountain Indian Reservation. I know there's a lot of harsh feelings in this area against a lot of natives. I, I don't know if it's because they, they're, you know, Cortez is just right next door to a reservation. I think many of the gay community in Cortez and Jamaica felt like they had this false sense of security or safety because they were white, middle class, uh, productive, involved members of the community. And they really had their world shattered in many ways. And they're struggling with what they now recognize as some of their own biases. I'm so proud of how folks are working here. I've never seen such hard work and dedication and, and the willingness to even to go through situations that are painful. And I think a lot of us can learn lessons from the community. And that is true. We can definitely continue to learn lessons from our community because that's what it's about us all coming together. And that is exactly what the city of Cortez did for Paulina Mitchell. Her tireless efforts when they finally laid FC to rest on June 30th, 2001. Paulina placed not only photos and clothing of FC as male and female presenting, but also made sure that individuals from the LGBTQ plus community was there and represented at the memorial. And so again, you know, this is just really, really beautiful because her ability to show this love and unconditional support for her child, for her daughter, led to the community of Cortez all coming together and supporting her and advocating for changes within the Montezuma Cortez High School, as well as throughout the city of Cortez. And also again, how the laws in Colorado began to change in view to spirited Natalie indigenous people, and especially in relation to how they're being treated by white people. And so it's really, really important how this case just you know, 
spoke to me as well. You know, I was 16 when I began my gender journey in 2006. And so, you know, I began my gender journey five years after FC passed, but I can just connect with FC and the ability to stand in your truth at such a young age and just not knowing how you're going to be received, but being willing to just go and live your life and to also be happy in the midst of it too, because FC was definitely described as very, very happy. And those are very two traits that we share is happiness and just the ability to persevere. And no matter what she went through, right, despite the fact that she was sent home on multiple occasions, she always went back to school. She completed her freshman year of high school and was looking forward to beginning her sophomore year that August. Um, And so again, it's just really, really interesting as we delve into this case, you know, the, the ultimate betrayal of Sean. His mother, Shauna Murphy, is a very open and proud lesbian. And at his trial, which began in March of 2002 in Cortez, Colorado, um, she gets up and she testifies on behalf of her son. And she talks about um, how, you know, she has, she grew up, uh, she had him grow up with her um, being open about her sexuality. And so she did not believe that her son was homophobic, transphobic, genderphobic. And so she wanted to state that, um, and she certainly didn't think that he was racist either. But nonetheless, um, the prosecutor at the time on the witness stand asked Sean's mother, then why did your child quote unquote say, I beat up a fag if your child was not or did not have any type of phobia and Shauna Murphy had no response. Paulina Mitchell, who was at the trial, even spoke to Shauna Murphy afterwards. And the two mothers had a kind of meeting of the minds. And what really happened with this conversation was Paulina's ability to get Shauna to see that what Sean did was horrendous. And really for her to also take a look at her own biases and prejudice too um, regarding privilege. Um, because she assumed that because her child grew up seeing her love another woman, another cis woman, that that automatically meant that her child would somehow be immune to phobia or discrimination when in reality, Sean Murphy was known as a local gangster, bad boy, getting into different types of trouble. He liked to hang out with like kind of all whites only groups. Um, these, these, uh, groups of Anglo-Saxon boys that you heard one of FC's friends mention earlier, right? Sean was one of those men. Um, he was no. And Sean Murphy, he was one of those men known for just being very, you know, phobic, racist, you name it. And he would get into these groups with all of these, um, you know, very cishead white guys who would like to cut their hair bald or very low. And they have this like very kind of like noxy skinhead vibe. So he was already known, my audience, for just being very violent and angry and having a very like Eurocentric, um, Aryan-centric view of the world. And so then again, the question is, why did he get FC a ride? Why did him and John Peterson give 
FC ride home? And that is the question that Detective Paul Shears wanted to know. And Sean's response was, well, you know, we, we, we at first just kind of wanted to hang out with FC and just, you know, and then we just gave, you know, FC a ride home. And so then that happens. That's, the, that's this kind of like nonchalant blase answer that Detective Shearer gets. And Detective Shearer then wants to know, okay, well, if this is what's happening in your mind in this moment that you're giving this two-spirited teen who's wearing her eyeliner and her bracelets and earrings and has a little bit of makeup on, that's starting to bother you, right? And so as Detective Shears is probing at Sean, you know, you can just see the fume, you can just sense that tension. And Sean finally admits, yeah, like I thought about it. I thought about the fact that we had given this person, you know, and using expletives that I'm not even gonna repeat, a ride home. And you know, the fact that he didn't even think to do anything in that moment, you know, immediately when FC was in the car, Detective Shears wanted to know why. And, you know, Sean's response was that John most likely wouldn't have went along with killing and murdering and committing the hateful homicide to FC. So Sean knew that if this was something that was going to be done, he was going to have to do it himself. And that's exactly what he intended to do when he lured FC back out of her home around 9.30 p.m. on Saturday night, June 16, 2001, in Cortez, Colorado. He lures her out of her home. She gets in the car with him. They go over to this park. They talk for a little bit, actually have a conversation, and talked about the festival. Sean even tells Detective Shears how FC was very excited and happy to be in this space. And then, before you knew it, without a warning, the blows the multiple hateful blows, 17 and counting, began over and over in the back, in the front, and then that's not enough. Sean grabs his pocket knife, his Swiss Armory knife that he had from when he was in the Scouts as a kid, and then slashes FC's stomach, throws the body into the sewer pond, and goes off. And all of this is done by 10 p.m. Paulina's gone to bed, not even realizing at that time that her beautiful 16-year-old daughter had been viciously murdered with more than 18 hateful blows. And so my audience, you know, I just also want to just take a moment as well and, you know, share a little bit with you again, just the efforts that have been made since, you know, FC's, you know, unfortunate, unfortunate passing and untimely passing. Um, And I just want to share that with you all as we um, prepare to get ready to complete this case. In terms of whether or not people learn something from this and and how families are treated, frankly, because many times the coverage can be sensational and it's very disrespectful. I was very concerned about how the media would handle the the issue of threatened murder. Sage Douglas Eagle Remington, a member of the Southern Ute tribe, has been involved in the Indian movement since the 60s and in the early 90s founded the Two-Spirit Society of Colorado to address the specific needs of gay and lesbian Native Americans. My involvement in the gay and lesbian community in the last 10 years, I've seen it transform itself from 
crisis management of events to a very coordinated effort, and that's what happened in Cortez. I was, I was very, I, I felt very assured that there were a group of people that were in a position to be able to take the issue, monitor it, control it so it doesn't get out of hand, and make sure that there was equity in, in the reporting of the news, and there was equity in describing Fred's lifestyle. Although the circumstances of Fred's murder echoed those of Matthew Shepard in many ways, this story was not one that many national media outlets were anxious to tell. It's hard not to look at a picture of Matthew Shepard and look at a picture of Fred Martinez and not really get why the media were not as interested. Fred was many things that, when you add them all up, made him very much the other for, for people. He was a person of color, he was Navajo, he was poor, he was transgender, he also identified as gay. He was a complicated kid in a tough situation with no privilege. On July 31st, 2019, Sean Murphy, after serving 17 years in prison, was released and is currently residing in Greeley, Colorado, the same place where the hateful homicide of Angie Zapata occurred 10 years prior. Again, my audience, thank you all so much for tuning in. We remember you, FC Martinez. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, forever and always. Born May 3rd, 1985, and resting on since June 16th, 2001. Again, my name is Mallory Jenna Robinson. You can follow us on Instagram at a hateful homicide. You can follow me at Mallory Jenna 90. Also, you can uh, like us on Facebook. And then also please use the hashtags a hateful homicide. You can tune in on Spotify, excuse me, Anchor, as well as Apple Podcasts. Again, thank you all so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.